Welcome to episode 79 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, many of us go hiking and backpacking so that we can unplug. When it comes to electronics, we are literally surrounded. Then on today's top five list, you'll learn to look for the signs that tell you it's time to get outside. Next on the Summit Gear Review, a pillow that will perfectly cradle your cranium. On today's backpack hack of the week, what three words are the best response when you hear an SOS call? And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Woody Hesselbarth. All this, and that's about it, today on The First 40 Miles. Many of us go out into nature to get away from it all. In fact, we just did an interview recently with Brett Trout from S'more Outdoor, who talks about the nature effect and how important it is, how critical it is to our everyday activities, our creativity, our work, our interactions with others. And I think it's interesting that another term that we use for getting away from it all is unplug. And yet we are increasingly surrounded by electronics. If you think about all the electronics that are available to you on the trail, you start to realize how omnipresent electronics are in our lives. Growing up as a Boy Scout, the rules were quite clear no electronics on scout campouts. And I think the rules were so clear and easy to implement because the only electronics that could potentially go on a campout were Sony Walkmans, and that's about it. And now it's so much more complicated because we have electronics now that, um, that serve a purpose on the trail. So it's not just bringing along video games in your pocket. It's also the potential to bring along things that help you. Oh, definitely. The list ranges from the practical to the ridiculous. I would say most of us bring our phone on campouts because it has our camera, has our calendar, which you may or may not need on the trail, but, you know, it's a good place to maybe put your route or whatever. And then your flashlights on your phone may not be your primary flashlight, but it's certainly the one that we're most accustomed to using. It's a nice backup. Um, walkie-talkies are sometimes seen on the trail, especially if you are going to be having a group that splits up or who, you know, maybe does one side of the loop and you do the other and you want to kind of keep in touch. And more recently, um, I've heard of this Gotenna thing that's like this, uh, it's like an antenna that you strap to the back of your backpack and it makes it so you can communicate with other people who have a Gotenna, um, using technology. <laughs> the magic of technology. Magic. Yeah, your your smartphone connects to the Gotenna over Bluetooth and you can use the Gotenna app to send a text message and then the Gotenna translates that text message into an analog signal that it sends over the air using pretty much the same technology as a walkie-talkie. And so if your friend is within a couple miles of you, then their Gotenna can pick up the signal and translate it back into digital and show a text message on their phone. Yeah, and Gotenna just made a deal with REI. So that's a kind of a new product. That's It's exciting. You have a new way to communicate while you're on the trail. 
As far as uh, using electronics to sterilize water, there is the SteriPen. Yeah, we use that all the time. Yeah, that's a great, uh, great piece of electronic equipment. Then there's all the GPS stuff, uh, GPS watches and handheld GPS devices. There's Fitbits and other, you know, fitness trackers. There's even electric lighters, so you don't have to flick your bick. And we just got our Big Agnes Mountain Glow tent that has the built-in LED lighting. There's also, if you're going to be doing some winter backpacking, rechargeable heated insoles for your shoes. I think this borders on the edge of somewhat humorous. I mean, we don't do a lot of winter backpacking, so I don't truly understand the, uh, the suffering and pain of cold feet. But this has a remote control button, so you can have it in your pocket and you can decide when you want to push that button for uh, low or high heated insoles. Yeah, and if um, if there's a form of camping called glamping, then is there a form of backpacking called... Glackpacking? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Glamorous backpacking. <laughs> Heated insoles, remote controlled. Wow. And they even have a version that's Bluetooth controlled. I mean, that's just taking electronics to the, the next level. But that's um, Thermocell rechargeable heated insoles. Kind of interesting. Thermocell also makes an electronic hand warmer that goes for about five hours. It's about the size of a cell phone. Okay, so there's all that useful stuff. But what about, you know, when we come around to uh, gaming devices, tablets so you can watch movies? Like, what about the uh, the controversial <laughs> uh, electronics? Well, that's funny because, like, the mom in me wants to say, leave it at home, you know, we're going to be outdoors. Leave all your your fluffy stuff at home. However, Josh and I have taken a couple trips recently where it's gotten dark really early. And before the trip, we thought, well, let's just bring along a device so that we can watch a movie when it gets dark. And it's going to get dark around 4.30 or 5. And we ended up watching a movie on actually two different trips that we took. And it was really nice. It was a nice little luxury, I guess. Yeah, it was definitely a luxury, but in the winter time when the sun sets uh, before five o'clock, you've kind of got a lot of downtime where it's just dark. And so it's not something I'd normally do, but we did it. We fudged the rules. Yeah. The, the quote unquote rules. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this brings us to the question, should we completely unplug and what electronics belong on the trail? Yeah, that brings me back to the smartphone. I've got several things on my phone that really enhance my trip. I have Google Sky Map, and I love pulling that out in the nighttime and figuring out what constellations and what stars are where, or planets especially, because the planets are usually really bright. So that's a lot of fun. And, and when we went on our Rogue River trip for spring break, I downloaded a Rogue River trail log which was just a document that had a lot of historical information about all these spots along the Rogue River. So, you know, here was the here was the site of a homestead, and then here's where there used to be a mining cabin, and there used to be a bridge at this point, and all of that historical interest stuff. Uh, it was really cool to just have it on my phone. So I guess it all boils down to, is the technology that we're using distracting from or enhancing our outdoor experience? And that's the ultimate question. For today's top five list, the top five signs that it's time to get outside. We're just a couple weeks away from what we would consider prime backpacking season. 
you know, you have a little bit more daylight, kind of warms up a little bit, people start to get outside, and you might start to have those kind of anxious feelings like, what, what am I missing in my life? Well, you probably need to get outside. So we're going to share the five signs that it's time to get outside. The number one sign that it's time to get outside is that it's a season change. And those transitions can be a really exciting time outdoors. Really boring indoors. Nothing <laughs> happens indoors. I mean, you switch your what your heat to AC and your AC right. to heat. And, and so your yeah. house stays at 70 degrees. Yeah. There's no beginning or end to the backpacking season. I mean, that's just something. It's more convenient to backpack in the summertime, but really, it's a year-round sport or activity. And if you only get out in the summer, you're missing out. Ooh. Them's was strong words. Wow. (laughs) I guess the exciting thing about May is that that's when the snow melts and that's when campgrounds open and when areas become alive again. And some of the places that you may be researching in your own area are finally available. The number two sign that it's time to get outside is that you have that sloggy feeling. If your weekly recharge includes Red Bull and YouTube, then you know it's time to get outside. So how do you know if you are outside deprived? Describe that feeling or tell me your experience, Josh. We talked about this on our S'more Outdoor interview last month, where we've noticed that when we go a while without getting outside and then we finally get the family out, that oftentimes we have at least one person in the family who is just cranky. And it's like... I think the way I described it on that S'more Outdoor interview was it's like these cobwebs have kind of built up in our minds and or in our souls, really. And we get outside and it takes a while to kind of blow out the cobwebs and get things freed up. But we notice that finally, after we're out for a while, it's like we all come back to life again after being just kind of oppressed or whatever. (laughs) I don't know what the word is. And so I think, you know, looking backwards, that's how we can tell that we need to get outside. It's when we, maybe when we least feel like it. It's when we're just feeling unmotivated and like we just want to sit there. That's time to get outside. I love that. When you least feel like it. That's so true. That's a huge sign. So if you have too much cloudy brain, not enough clouds and rain, you know it's time to get outside. If you have too much computer screens, not enough mountain streams, too much Netflix, not enough dirt and sticks. You get the idea. (laughs) Nature has an incredible effect on creativity, productivity, human relationships, and personal growth. And I think you hit the nail on the head. When you don't want to, that's when you should. The number three sign that it's time to get outside is that it hasn't been too long since your last trip. You know, getting outside before you feel that cooped up feeling is like doing preventive maintenance on your car. If you can smell oil burning, there's a good chance that your engine is in rough shape. But if you do the uh, the oil change thing before, before? <laughs> everything's going to run a little more smoothly. I love this because just a moment ago we said, you know, the times when you least feel like getting outside, when you're just unmotivated, are probably the times when you need it the most. And so how do you prevent even getting to that point? It's by this one here. It's it's that you get out there often enough that you don't get down into that Pit. low spot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't know if, 
if anyone else is like this, but if I know it's time to get the oil changed in our car, and then like right before that time, the check engine light comes on, it actually demotivates me from getting the oil changed because I'm like, oh no, this means I'm going to bring my car in and the, the auto guys are going to see that my check engine light is on and they're going to think of me as irresponsible because my check engine light's on. Get outdoors often before it's been too long. At least for me, that's much better. The number four sign that it is time to get outside is that you have a place you've been dying to see or place you want to go or experience. And if you don't have a place that you can't wait to get out to, then we have some homework for you right now. If you're near a computer, go to Google and type in hiking trails near me. And the great thing is Google knows where you live. It knows that you had ice cream for breakfast. So it can tell you where your local hikes are. And it's a starting point. And it doesn't have to be a long hike. It doesn't have to be far from home. Just getting outside is the important thing. I feel like we have a long list of places we can't wait to get to. And we've just got to start start knocking them off one at a time. Well, we found this great site called The Outdoor Project. And that's where we've gone to search for a lot of our our family hikes. They're mostly a West Coast thing right now, but I think they're trying really hard to get the United States covered, get it blanketed with trails. And it's just a really rich site, lots of content and really high quality content. So that's called the outdoorproject.com. Thank you. (laughs) Outdoorproject.com. And that might give you some ideas for places to put on your list. The number five sign that it's time to get outside is when time just opens up or you have this spur-of-the-moment decision to just dump all your responsibilities and bolt out the door. This is the rarest event of all, you know, especially if you have children and you have a job and all these things going on. When we were first dating, um, we lived in Seattle, and every once in a while, there would be one of those bluebird days where the Seattle sky would just open up, the clouds would go away, the sun would come out, it would get warm just for that day. And we were like, you know what, let's just ditch everything and let's get outside. This is too good to pass up. Yeah, it was an opportunity that I didn't mind because I was just temp working. <laughs> it was a pretty boring job. And so uh, it was just great. And this is actually a really hard thing for people like us to do. We're, we're kind of the boring, responsible type. True that. And we don't have much of that... Yellow personality, like the color code, you know, like those people who can just go have fun. Yeah. We, it, we can't do that. No, it, it takes a little more effort on our <laughs> part to have fun. But, you know, I don't regret it when I take one of those opportunities. And we've talked in past episodes about this idea of having your gear organized so that you can do planned spontaneity. (laughs) And um, Martin Luther King Day, we were able to take our family for a hike. I mean, most hikes that we go on, there's a fair bit of planning and we clear out the schedule and we get the food that we need and all that. But with this hike, we did just decide to go and we walked out the door. And there was less preparation that went into that hike. There was some suffering on that hike because people weren't all the way prepared. But in the end, it was a really great chance to get outdoors. And by the end of the hike, the kids didn't want to leave. Last month, I had a business trip to the Washington, D.C. area, and I had a really busy Monday and Wednesday. And then on Tuesday, you know, I could have just sat through the conference, but there really wasn't much that was pertinent to me. So I had an opportunity to just take a spontaneous day off in the middle of that work trip and check out this beautiful forested area along Rock Creek that 
covers many miles and you, you feel like you're out in, well, you are out in the woods, even though you're just miles from downtown Washington, D.C. It was just great to get out. So definitely take some time to get outside this week or next week, especially as the seasons change. It's just a vibrant, exciting time. And then if you can share with us what you did, where you went, or pictures, we would love to see what you're up to. For today's Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing the Climate Pillow X. Now, this is definitely a luxury item, but we've talked about before, a pillow is one of those things that could make a really big difference in how you sleep at night. And it's only two ounces. Yeah, this is a really lightweight pillow. It's 30 denier polyester on the top and 75 denier polyester on the bottom. This pillow isn't flocked, so when you lay your face on it, it's going to feel cold. And depending on the time of year that you're hiking, you may love this or you may want to put something over the pillow. Like in the summertime, I love cold pillows. It's just the best feeling in the world when you're so hot and you lay your head on that cold pillow. So this would be a good pillow for summertime backpacking. The big difference between the Climate Pillow X and other inflatable pillows is that the Climate Pillow X has a big X in the middle of the pillow, like built into the pillow. It's a structural thing. That is where your head is cradled. It kind of has this self-centering design. So that's perfect if you're laying on your back, right? Because it'll just keep your head right there. Right. If you're a back sleeper, it's perfect. But I'm a side sleeper, so I'll share my experiences with the Climate Pillow X in just a minute. All camping pillows work best with a hooded sleeping bag because that's where the pillow kind of nestles. You don't want your pillow sliding off of your pad and, you know, ending up in the corner of your tent. And if you've ever tried to use a pillow while backpacking, you know that they slide around and you spend a lot of the night trying to get your pillow back. So being able to nestle it in the hood of your sleeping bag is pretty convenient. This pillow can be inflated with two to three breaths. And even though it's not a flocked pillow, it's a very quiet pillow. It's not crunchy. When you lay down on it, I guess you can hear the air moving from chamber to chamber, but like it's not a crinkly sound. This is a generously sized pillow. It's 15 inches by 11 inches by 4 inches. And of course, you can change the, the height the fluffiness of the pillow to whatever you want. It packs down to four and a half inches by two and a half inches by one inch. And this pillow only weighs two ounces. For maintenance, it comes with a stuff sack, which you can leave at home. Just roll this up with your pad. You can clean the outside with mild detergent and warm water. And then just make sure that you completely air dry this pillow before putting it away. For investment, it is $30 with a limited lifetime warranty. Just curious, what does limited mean? <laughs> I think it means like no scissors. Like if you accidentally poke it with a knife, I think they're they're not going to honor uh, the warranty. Okay. It yeah, some, be, some limitations, huh? Yeah, it has to be used the way that it was designed to be used. Like you can't use it as a Barbie bounce house or something. <laughs> you have to use it as a pillow, treat it nice, and if it starts to have problems, then I think they'll take care of it. Uh, okay. I think this pillow is really great for back sleepers. It has that X in it, which cradles your head perfectly, but if you roll over, then you're going to have pillow kind of surrounding your face. It's a little bit, uh, 
So the way that I got around that, because I'm a side sleeper, um, so instead of my head going to the middle of the pillow, I used the sides of the pillow. And side sleepers can still use this pillow. They just won't be using the primary feature on this pillow, which is that X design. And as with all camping pillows, this pillow slides around. So there are a few things that you can try, and you can try this with any pillow that you bring backpacking. So the first idea is while you're at home, inflate the pillow and then put seam grip around the parts of the pillow that touch the surface, you know, like touch the pad or your sleeping bag. So not on the very edges of the pillow, because those are the ones that are curved up, but just on the very bottom. And then you let that dry completely. And that helps a little bit. That provides that grippy, you know, that rubberized foot, kind of like on the bottom of socks that grandmas wear you know, around the house, this house socks, where it's like rubberized on the bottom of the sock, kind of like that on a pillow. The second thing that you can do, if you don't want your pillow to slide all over the place, is to take your fleece jacket, zip it up all the way, and put it on your sleeping pad, kind of like your sleeping pad is a person, and you're sliding it on, but make sure the zipper is in the back, because you don't want your face on the zipper. Then you slide your pillow under your fleece and that will kind of hold it in place. So there's another option. And then the third option, and this is kind of cool, there's something that I found on Etsy called the monkey pillowcase. And it's not really a pillowcase for monkeys. You probably thought that. It's called a monkey pillowcase because it has monkeys on it. They use monkey material. And it keeps pillows from slipping off of pads. So we'll provide the link in the show notes for this Etsy shop. I think the shop is called Hike Bike Dale. So Hike Bike D-A-L-E. And the monkey pillowcase weighs around 1.8 ounces. So it would would almost double the weight (laughs) of the pillow. And it measures a little bit larger. It's 19 inches by 13 inches. Uh, The climate pillow would definitely fit inside of the monkey pillowcase. And I know we have a lot of listeners out there who are outdoor innovators who could probably come up with a list of a hundred more things that you could do to keep your pillow from slipping. It's not the biggest problem on the trail, (laughs) but if you have ideas, we would love to hear those too. And uh, I know we have some really creative listeners. I have a method for keeping my pillow from slipping. No pillow. No pillow. I thought you were going to switch. I thought you were going to join the dark side. Maybe. Someday. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I've slept so many years without a pillow when I go backpacking. Maybe if I found just the right pillow, maybe I would be sold. Anyway, especially if you're a backsleeper, check out the Climate Pillow X. We'll have all the info in today's show notes at thefirst40miles.com slash 079. Well, it's kind of funny. As we're recording this episode today, we have rain pounding on one of our windows. It's a skylight window, and so the rain is just extra loud. And I think it goes perfectly with today's backpack hack of the week, which is the SOS response. It does? Yeah, I think the tapping on the window kind of sounds like SOS. You know, oh, like, nature's like, SOS. <laughs> it's like someone, someone needs our help out there. <laughs> I wonder if anyone's tried to take the sound of rain and get a message from it using Morse code. Yeah, or any other kind of signal processing. Hmm. Whoa. What if no. rain is a signal? It sounds like a like a PhD project that someone could do. Totally. Ooh, goosebumps. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's random. 
Okay. Well, say you're out in the woods and you hear the classic SOS distress signal. What do you do? And at first, when I was thinking about this, I thought, well, maybe you do the SOS distress signal back to them. That is not the correct thing to do. Well, you know, we spend so much more attention on how to call for help that we never talk about how to respond to the call for help. Now, just in case people don't know, the call for help, the SOS, we should probably kind of explain that a little bit. It's uh, three dots, three dashes, three dots. Or three short sounds, three long sounds, three short sounds. And I snagged this off of Wiki. It said, SOS is the International Morse Code Distress Signal. This distress signal was first adopted by the German government in radio regulations, effective April 1st, 1905. Not a joke. And became... (laughs) I didn't catch that. And became the worldwide standard under the Second International Radio Telegraphic Convention, which was signed on November 3rd, 1906, and became effective July 1st, 1908. So the SOS distress signal is a continuous sequence of three dits, three da's, and three dits, all run together without letter spacing. In international Morse code, three dits form the letter S, and three da's make the letter O. So if you're lost in the woods, you can pull out your whistle and do tweet, 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 and then you can wait a second and repeat that if you need to. If you're lost on a sandy beach, you can do three dots, three dashes, three dots drawn in the sand. You know, all these different things you can do to call for help. You could signal it with a mirror. I suppose if you're really talented, you could do smoke signals. But the question remains, what if you're on the receiving end of that distress signal? How do you respond to let people know that you got their SOS call? Now, I got this information on how to respond from the Cowlitz County Search and Rescue. And this is how they deal with the SOS signal. They said that the best response to SOS is these three words. Are you okay? Because they said a lot of times when you think you hear an SOS sound, it could be just a bird. Mm -hmm. So you want to give your human voice to that person and let them know you've heard their distress signal. If the answer is no, they're going to do the SOS signal again. They said it might not be a great idea to run blindly into the woods in search of them. First of all, you don't know what got them down there. I mean, you don't know if they fell off a blind cliff or if they were attacked by some kind of animal. You don't know how far out they are and you could end up in the same situation that they are. So it's best to not immediately go after them. Another thing that you need to recognize is they may not be able to respond vocally So if you hear an SOS signal and you say, are you okay? You'll probably just get an SOS signal back. I mean, if they're truly injured, they may not be able to respond vocally. And then you can put together a plan. Hopefully you're with other people and some kind of plan can be made. An SOS call is something so rare on the trail, but if it happens to you, you want to be able to know what to do and not add to the confusion. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail who built the trail, who wrote the book about building trails, Woody Hesselbarth. He said, the ultimate compliment paid to a trail crew is to say, it doesn't look like you had to do much work to get through here. Avoid the bulldozer bob look. Make your trail just happen. 
That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, then get outside or start planning your next adventure. We'd love to hear about it. We'll see you next time on the first 40 miles. Why is that hard? Signs that mean it's time. You kind of have like signs and time and and signs and signs of the times. (laughs) Signs that tell you it's time to get outside. There we go. Woody is is quite an appropriate name, isn't it? You said that the last time we did a quote by him. Oh man, I said no no retelling jokes. No recycling jokes. (laughs) Cut that one. (laughs) Beep.